Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renter insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit geico.com today. That's geico.com. Thank goodness. 2020 is finally behind us. Unfortunately, a lot of us put Christmas on a credit card and those bills. Well, they're still in front of us. Here's a pro tip for you. Don't make a new year's resolution to save money. Just head over to SaveWithConrad.com right now. We make saving money fast and easy. Just ask Benji in Louisiana. He left us a five-star review and wrote, why did I wait so long? The process was very easy. No hard sell signed closing documents at my kitchen table. What about Jared up in Beeville, Texas? He says this was a quick and easy process. First family was very helpful and easy to communicate with. They always got back to me in a timely manner. I would recommend first family to anyone. What about William in Gallatin, Tennessee? He says it was great working with Jimmy and the rest of Conrad's staff at first family who knew listening to grilling JR and something to wrestle could save me over 130 grand and seven years off of my loan with almost no increase in payment. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Here's the thing. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And we're licensed in more than 40 states. So what are you waiting for? If you've got credit card debt, it's not a matter of if we can save you money. It's a matter of how much. Find out right now for free. Keep more of your own money at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com right now. Steven's brand new deep Navy blue and sparkling 24 karat gold dip twinkle, twinkle roses here, but time is already running out because the brand new color sells out each year. Don't miss out. Imagine on Valentine's day when she opens this really cool gift box and outslides a blue rose trimmed in gold, you know, blue, the color of the sky just before the sun sets. And you can start to see all the stars sparkling in the night sky. It's breathtaking. Go now to see this real 24 karat gold rose deeply dipped in real pure 24 karat gold with petals in this unique and dazzling blue color that mimics the stars in the sky. Exclusively available at Steven Singer Jewelers. Real jewelers, real roses, really dipped in pure 24 karat gold with a real lifetime guarantee. It's always the number one Valentine's Day gift that lasts forever. It comes with your own free personal love note and ships fast and free to the real love of your life, your wife, your daughter, your sweetheart, and say, I'm lucky to have you in my life. Check out the entire collection of Stephen's famous roses. Roses start at only $59. Go right now to IHateStevenSinger.com. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. 
Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Pritchard. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She pooted. What a rib. No, you have a big There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. Was he there? I was there. I don't give a shit. I ain't scared. I ain't scared to shit. Fuck him. you, Bruce. I love Hello? Hey, can I speak to Bruce, please? Uh, hold on, let me check. Hey, Bruce! What? It's Conrad. You tell him I'm not here. I'm busy. Um, Conrad, he said he's... Well, he's not here. Wait, shit, is he on the line right now? I can see him. Is he on the line? You, you realize I... Conrad, are you there? Yeah, I, I'm here, and I can hear him. Shoot, sorry. We've, you, Stephanie, do you realize we... my office. What are you sorry, doing in here? Sorry, I got work I to do. Well... Hey, buddy. Hey, how you doing? Well, hello, Bruce. Hi. Now, hey, do you see the thing behind me? Uh, the snow? No, it's the the thing. Oh, it's hey. it's very bright. I can't. It's way bright. Hang on, I gotta turn it off because it's humming. Hey, what are you doing, man? I've been waiting. You know, are you finally able to do a show? Is this? Is this is this a rib? What's that? Hello? Are you are you fucking kidding around? Why would I kid around? Buddy, I've been chasing you for two weeks trying to do a podcast. Your board broke, remember? You don't know what broke at my house or didn't break at my house. Yes, I do. Well, I mean, it's Sunday. You're not you're not a TV. You're not in the office. Can I shoehorn in a podcast? I don't know where I am. I I can see you, Bruce. I know where you are. Your wife answered the phone. I know things. Okay. Well, that shit will never happen again. Yeah. I I like that. You tried to play it off. Like tell him I'm not here. And then she said, he says he's not here. 
You, 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 know, re- you realize that the rumor in innuendo now is that our podcast is canceled. Well, Conrad, I, I meant to have this talk with you. Well, before you do, can I ask a favor? Yeah. Can you send me one of them gift cards and a something to wrestle envelope? Hey, you know what? Um, how about you go fuck yourself? <laughs> and, and if you were one of the people that, uh, ever received a Christmas card from me for the last 30 years, you would know that I've always done, Hey, here's uh, something to wrestle with. Have a happy holiday or buddy. I got something for you to wrestle with. Merry Christmas. Uh, when I, when so, I met you, you the know, first, th- thank you for noticing. I greatly appreciate that. When I met you the first time, I'm a fucking gift given motherfuckers. What I am I'm trying to explain that when I met you the very first time you had a little pad of like sticky notes that said from the desk of Bruce Pritchard, here's something to wrestle with. Well, it's actually something to rust with from the desk of Bruce Pritchard. Whatever. The idea is that's literally been on your stationery the entire time I've known you. Like since about 1980, when I got my first one done, actually, no, 1979, when I got my first one done, I think I saw it in 2014 years before we had a podcast, but Hey, speaking of the podcast, I see like a sports illustrated podcast of the year award back there and the whole uh, podcasters Academy podcast of the year. And then yeah. I see, so there's lots of like awards behind you for this thing. We used to do. There's a Spears app up there. <laughs> yep. undis- undisputed podcast. Yep. I, I see that. And you know, we used to do these pretty regularly. I was wondering maybe, maybe we could do one now. Maybe on Shane McMahon, maybe. Why? Well, I mean, I've got notes for Shane McMahon and Royal rumble 96 and, and you know, I don't know how much, how much time you got, but we got Royal Not Rumble 91 coming up too. Well, you know, we, we, we've sold 413 ads, so we probably need to probably need to do a show and make it real long so we can get all of our ads in there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know about the long part. I know you don't know nothing about long. I mean, I've seen you naked. Yeah. So can we hypothetically Where did you see me naked? I used to sleep here, so I'd sneak upstairs and, you know, take pictures of you naked, sleeping. That's weird. Cuddling with your Vince McMahon LJN. That's weird. No, come on, bud. Uh, keep serious business. Can we, can we do a podcast please? That'd be good. You know, you need to make an appointment for that, right? Buddy. Uh, we made one for last Sunday. (laughs) Well, as they say down in Texas, County. Hey, look what I found. Hang on, let me blow it up. I can't really see what that no. is. Oh, oh. <laughs> those Amazon gift cards. Those goddamn gift. I like the way you held it up too. It was a frowny face. It was the upside down. So with the way you showed oh, it to did, me. Did it was, I hold them up wrong too? Well, yeah, fuck, but, I probably put them in the damn Christmas cards the wrong way too. Maybe that's a. Well, is that better? Yeah. By the way, did you see that? That was the latest speculation that, uh, what's that? Our, we don't podcast anymore because you gave Amazon gift cards and something to wrestle envelopes. You got fired or lost the deal or whatever. You're in big, you're in big trouble. Uh, you, you don't know that. I, you know what? I stay in trouble. You were born in trouble. 
Trouble's my middle name. <laughs> Was that your GIF, Jared? Okay, how much time have we put in so far? I haven't recorded any of this. Can you can you can you cut cut this up and make about like eight podcasts out of it? Uh, I think hypothetically, then we're, then we're good for a month. That way, you can throw a couple bonus shows. I'm so mad. I'm gonna go stand in the corner and stomp the floor. All right, I like it. Can we can we talk about Shane? Shane Helms. All right, I'm just gonna. There's a hurricane coming through. What's up with that? Are you trying to do a a North Carolina accent right there? What's up with that? No, that first one. When you did the hurricane. Oh, what? No, I can't. You I make can't. all of us from the South sound like fucking bumpkins. Why are you doing that to us? Why are you abandoning your people? Okay. See, that's the thing. I am from the South. So therefore I can make fun no, of no, those of us no, no. from the South. No. I can have fun with it. You're a traitor. I'm from the real South. I'm from, I'm Souther than you are. You're up there eating your fucking hard rolls now. You're not they're really soft. Why do they name them hard rolls when they're really soft? So God let's... damn, this is the hard bread that hurts my fucking teeth, motherfucker. Or stand this hard bread bullshit. God damn bagels and hard rolls. And then fucking it hurts my teeth. I only make soft spongy rolls and like fluffy and spongy and soft. Like my dick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's enough. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? I thought we I thought we were going to tell him about what wasn't available today. Are you really not going to record today, too? I'm great, Connie. How are you? I'm very confused, but I'm happy that you're here and I'm happy. Welcome to my world. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to, uh, hello everyone. My name is Bruce Pritchard. I'd like to thank all y'all for listening. Bearing with us last, uh, that's Baron with us. It's, uh, he was a hell of a talent back in the seventies. Baron with us, Baron Vaughn with us. (laughs) <laughs> Baron Von with us got me. Well, welcome to uh, January 20. No, no, not January 22nd. We're in last week now. Welcome to January 15th. Here we are excited to celebrate the birthday of Shane Brandon McMahon. And today is his special birthday. Of course, January 15th, which is today's date, uh, 1970. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think I realized his middle name was Brandon. Yeah. I didn't know that either. You gonna start calling him Brandon? No, I'll stick with Shane. Yeah, probably so. Uh, he's you born. Don't miss that. He's born in uh, Gaithersburg, Maryland, to Vincent K. and Linda McMahon. Of course, he's the first of two children for Vince and Linda. In 1988, he graduated from Greenwich High School. Later, attended Roger Williams University, where he studied media and marketing. Also, attended Boston University. Graduated there in '93. Of course, we know we had all seen Shane on TV by then. I think the first time I saw Shane that I remember seeing Shane was WrestleMania 90, uh, WrestleMania six there in the Toronto sky dome. When did you first meet Shane? 87? I assume uh, I met Shane. Yeah. 1987, summer 1987. So he's still he in was... high school. And what was your first impression of Shane? The high schooler. 
Uh, <laughs> you know, th- this is going to be a broken record because uh, I consider Shane one of my one of my best buds in the business and a great guy and, and a dear friend of mine. So he was he was this energetic kid when I first met Shane. So Vince and Linda had uh, moved to Greenwich, Connecticut from I guess they were somewhere in Hartford. And or, or they had they built a house. And one of the things uh, on the house was you know, a lot of brickwork and things like that. So Shane had gone to work somewhere or work. For, oh, I know what it was. He, he was working at the office. Shane was working at the office and Vince was paying him minimum, you know, minimum wage. And, and it was it was you're learning, you know, and you're going into the office. You're going to get paid um, what the worker bee would, would get paid. It was, he was a laborer. He was getting paid whatever he was getting paid in, in the, uh, warehouse or wherever the hell he worked. But Shane decided that he wasn't making enough. Want to raise. This <laughs> is like, you're not going to make more money just because you're the boss's son. You're going to get paid. just like everybody else is getting paid doing that same job. Well, Shane was like, well, fuck this. And Shane went to the guy that was uh, in charge of the brick laying the masonry on Vince's house and said, hey, what do you pay? The guy paid like, I don't know, 10, 12 bucks an hour, which was more than he would have been making at the office and then had overtime and all this other stuff. And, and Shane was like, well, hey, this guy will give me this. And Vince was like, congratulations, you got a new job. And so Shane, uh, when I met him, was uh, laying brick and working masonry to uh, get money during the summer, working his ass off. He would come home covered in just like, you know, cement and shit and but bust his ass, man, to, to pay for his truck. Hey, real quick, I want to remind you, if you've got credit card debt or if you're in a 30-year loan, SaveWithConrad.com can get you the best deal you've ever had. Can we get you a better interest rate on your mortgage? Absolutely. Can we help you pay your house off faster and keep roughly the same monthly payment? We do it all the time. What about credit card debt? Can we help you knock that out? 100%. We should mention we routinely help our listeners save five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. Find out how much money you can save right now for free. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And if we can't help you save some cash, we won't waste your time. We're licensed in more than 40 states. So what are you waiting for? Hurry to savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Seriously, let me and my staff at First Family Mortgage help you get 2021 started right. Save a boatload of cash at savewithconrad.com. Of course, uh, these days, Shane is married to Marissa Mazzola, who briefly appeared in the company in the late 90s as an announcer. Together, they have three sons. You saw them all at WrestleMania 32, accompanying Shane to the ring against uh, The Undertaker there. You've also probably seen them in the crowd for some appearances here or there. I want to say Marissa hosted a couple episodes of Livewire and some other shows, and I recall her being really good. Uh, why did she choose to do some on-air stuff, and, and why did she stop? Well, I think that more than anything, I don't know why, other than she wanted to get into production and she wanted to have her own production company and kind of get into film. That was her passion, and that was something that she wanted to do, so... Doing the on-air stuff was kind of a, you know, in-between, in-between gig that I don't think was ever 
something that she meant to do forever. As you mentioned, uh, Shane first, fart, first started easy for me to say, uh, working he with first farted, he first farted brother could fart. And uh, well, you got any good Shane fart stories. We'll just go right there. They stink. Okay. Just like the old man, uh, first starts working with the company age 15, as you said, in the warehouse, he's filling merchandise orders and helping mail merchandise. So I guess if you were ordering, you know, shirts and merch in like 85, 86, you probably had Shane mail it to you, which is kind of cool. Um, and uh, yeah, to your point, he landed that construction job making like 400 bucks a week, which is more than dear old dad was paying him, which I guess really sets the tone for Vince as a father too. Like he's not just going to coddle you and you're going to have to make your own way. And Shane's comfortable with that. He's comfortable going to make his own way. Right. Absolutely. You know, Shane was, Shane was all about doing whatever it took and looked at the opportunity presented in front of him and saw that, well, there are these guys, not like I have to leave my house either. <laughs> you know what I mean? To go out and do a lot of the masonry work around the, uh, around the area there. And it's a healthy living, you know, it's uh, he, he made good money and he worked his ass off. He got to be outside. He loved to train even back then. So this was something to keep him in shape and make good money and keep going. He eventually, of course, as you know, uh, does come back to the WWE and he takes it seriously this time. Uh, the family business that is he's accompanying his father to meetings. He's sitting in on production meetings. He's taking notes. He's even asking questions afterwards. And, uh, he learned the little details of the business as I believe it goes from his father's top Lieutenant, the late great Pat Patterson. Uh, but he did consider other career paths once upon a time, stuff like architecture and investment banking, even football interested him. Do you think there was ever any real shot that Shane started his professional career outside of wrestling? I mean, it just feels like something he really gravitated to, right? I, you know, Shane's one of those guys that, um, everything around him is, is around him for a reason. So if he's looking at something or there's opportunity out there, he's going to look into it and try and get involved in it some way, one way or another. I, I know that when, uh, 19, so this was his senior year in high school had to be, but I had just got a, a new car. And the last thing that, that Vince said to me one day at the studio, he goes, whatever you he goes, just don't let the kid drive your car. Don't right. let Shano drive your car. I'm like, yeah, okay. And the next day Vince is pulling in as he sees my car pulling out with Shane behind the wheel, tearing off around the corner. And he comes in and goes up, comes up to my office and says, uh, Hey, just saw your car crash around the corner. And, uh, I went to look and see if you were okay and saw that you weren't even in it. Of course, my car hadn't crashed, but it was his way of letting me know that, uh, he saw Shane. Yeah. Yeah. We had that kind of a relationship. You know, I was like, Shane, want to drive my car? Yeah, here you go. Go drive my car. I don't care. It was only a Honda Prelude, but it was a cool Honda Prelude. Shano, you called him there, or when you're talking as Vince, of course, we've seen a lot of people refer to him as Shano Mac and things like that. Uh, his middle name is Brandon. Where does Shano come from? Who's the first person you remember calling him that? Is that just a Vinceism? I don't know. 
I don't know if that was Vinceism, if that was a Bruceism, or if it was it was just kind of like a, you know, Shano, probably Vince. You know, now that I think of it, it's probably Vince. So it just was. You got some sometimes. Now you can understand this coming from the South. We had this discussion a little earlier. Sometimes you just got to make words two syllables. Yes, like Shane. Shane could be Shane, or it could be Shano. Just kind of whatever it is. You got to make things two syllables or better. You know, it's like Brucey. Sometimes I'd be Brucey. You've talked about before when you first went to work for Vince. He didn't just say, Hey, here's your duties. Go do this. It started out as, Hey, learn the business. Tell me a little bit about that for Shane. Was he sort of on a similar trajectory behind the scenes, just trying to sit in and learn different things or did Vince have a more defined path for him? If that makes sense. No, I think it was more along the lines of, if you really want to be in the business, then you need to learn the business. And I've always said this about it wrestling schools. And whenever we would have developmental camps and things of that nature, guys would always look at putting up and tearing down the ring almost as a punishment. The way that I looked at that is, is you have to understand how a ring goes together and you have to appreciate how to put the ring together safely and tear it down and, you know, store it and transport it and what have you. I liken it to a parachute. Because parachutes, when you go out, you pack your own parachute. You pack your own parachute for safety so that you know exactly how that chute is packed and you're confident jumping out of an airplane with that pack strapped to your back. A ring, to me, is the same thing. It's, if you know how that ring goes up and you know how that ring is put together, it's, it's no different than um, packing a parachute. You'll, you'll know if there's something wrong over here. Well, I'm going to work over on the other side. It's the same thing in the business. And I think that Vince viewed it is if you want to be in the business, the best way to learn everything about the business is to start from the ground up and learn as much as you can coming up. If you start up top, you never have any idea what the hell happens all the way through the company. Uh, if you start off, you know, selling pictures and programs and you start off and you're doing every every menial job that there is to do, then you appreciate those, quote, menial jobs and you appreciate them. And it's not looked upon as menial anymore. It's a part of what everybody does and everybody is an important cog in the wheel. It's an appreciation of the business. The first time we see him on screen is as a referee as Shane Stevens. And, uh, he's refereeing the inaugural 1988 Royal rumble match in 89. He refereed at the survivor series and he also did the 91 rumble match. Um, and I believe as the story goes, Shane was the first person to greet the crowd come through the curtain there at WrestleMania six. Again, he's trying to earn his stripes here and learn a little bit about every aspect of the business. And by 92, he's leaving behind his refereeing duties and taking the role more of a backstage official. You're going to see him at WrestleMania eight as an attempt to break up a storyline brawl between Savage and flair. He's even mentioned by name in the observer report and fans can see him clearly as he attempts to uh, get Elizabeth to leave the ringside area. And from there, Shane continues to work behind the scenes in the mid nineties, just from a photo we recently found, we know that Shane went to the white house on the Easter egg hunt along with the bushwhackers. And in 97, 
with a background in media and marketing from his education, he's armed to help deliver the next step of the future for the company. Although few probably realized it at the time, but Shane was really, really responsible for helping launch WWF.com, right? Yeah. Shane, Shane was a big part of WWF.com and, you know, even going back to, as you look at the different things that Shane did, Shane started off on the ring crew as well. When he was going to go on the road and learn the business, he was setting the rings up, tearing them down every night. We had strict, uh, instructions, <laughs> Randy Savage and I did that under no circumstances were we to let Shane get in the ring and take bumps or, you know, anything like that. And we would go once, the ring crew got there. They would get there early. They would set up the ring. We'd go work out and then come back. And Shane just so badly wanted to get in the ring that Savage agreed. Yeah, brother, come on. We can, uh, I'll teach you a thing or two. And I was a frigging tackling dummy. And I was a dummy emphasis on the word dummy. Cause I'm the first one that locked up with Shane and would, get in the ring and work with him and take some of those tackles and kind of easy there, tiger, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> it just was, uh, it was a lot of fun, but Shane, Shane wanted, Shane wanted so badly just to know everything and be a part of as much as he possibly could. We, um, we can't stress how important the website is going to obviously be, I don't think anybody really knew what the internet was going to become, but my goodness, what an undertaking somewhere in this era though. I don't know, maybe mid nineties, we started to hear rumors and often it's associated with, um, Raven that perhaps Shane was partying a little too much with the wrestlers, enjoying his time as a, as a young man. What can you tell us about? Yeah. Shane liked to have a good time. And yeah. there were times that, you know, when Shane was working in the office that we all went out afterwards, uh, whether it be a Friday or Saturday night, if we were all in town and, and we would go out, Shane had a good time. I don't know that it was anything that necessarily got out of hand. And I think that in, in some respects that that was, um, some of those stories have been blown out of proportion uh, quite a bit because it's the boss's kid. So it's easy to, to blow some of those out of proportion. Some of them are well-earned, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but again, safety first, it's uh, as we would later deem him Mr. Safety. I know that whenever Shane and I would go out, it would be a little too late. And if uh, – there were alcoholic beverages involved and things like that. It was like, I'm not letting you get in the car and drive home. So he would stay at my place and, and stay over just to make sure that, uh, especially if Vince knew that we were going out, it was like, and, and appreciated that. It wasn't always the most fun telephone call to make at two thirty in the morning to say, Hey, <laughs> I'm staying at Bruce's. But it was the best phone call to make to say that, yes, I'm staying at Bruce's. Uh, so, yeah, he had a lot of fun, but I, I don't think any more than anybody else. Thinking about the high interest rate credit cards you used over the holidays. When it comes to refinancing your credit cards, you have options. 
It only Lightstream was ranked number one by JD Power for customer satisfaction with personal loans. For JD Power 2020 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Lightstream's credit card consolidation loans start at just 5.95% APR with AutoPay and excellent credit. You could save thousands in interest. You could even get your money as soon as the day you apply. Apply today for a credit card consolidation loan from the company JD Power, ranked number one for customer satisfaction in personal loans. Plus, get an additional interest rate discount at lightstream.com slash wrestle. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash wrestle. Subject to credit approval, rates range from 5.95% APR to 19.99% APR and include a half a percent auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit, terms and conditions apply, and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash wrestle for more information. Did you ever get uh, the uncomfortable call from Vince? God damn it, Bruce. What are you doing to Shane? No, no, man. Come on. It, It was... He was a young man. He was out having a good time. If, if anything, I was in a lot of respects helping. protecting him. Yeah, yeah. Helping him and making sure that he didn't get into any trouble. I think the first time he becomes like a big part of the, uh, the storyline efforts is when we see him associated with Mike Tyson in early 98. What was, what was Shane's role? Cause I know he did more than just what we saw on camera for the whole Tyson situation. <laughs> Well, Shane was right there, man. When Mike was ready to do business with us, Shane was right there to be the guy that was going to walk Mike through every, every process and basically kind of lived with Mike for lack of a better term to assure that if Mike needed to be somewhere at one o'clock, Shane got him there at 1245 and did whatever it took and went through, you know, all those machinations of, taking care of Mike. And that's why when I would hear these horror stories about Mike Tyson and, and not any of it, not any of it, uh, did we experience not saying they aren't, they aren't true, but I'm saying from our experiences with Mike Tyson during that time, Mike was an absolute joy to be around. Great guy, professional, all the way through. And Shane was a big part of that being that liaison being with Mike and giving Mike that comfort to, to know that everything's going to be okay. And it was, it was constant. I think that, uh, Shane and Mike developed a good friendship out of that. I also want to mention that he becomes at least on air, a part of the feud with stone cold, Steve Austin in the early days of that angle. McMahon is going to offer support for his father in these cameo roles. And he's not going to become an enforcer like Gerald Briscoe and Pat Patterson, but you saw lots of fun stuff like the, the famous montage of Vince chasing the chicken, like Rocky, uh, Shane is there. Did you produce those vignettes or those little skits with Vince? Thank God. No. Yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine, uh, in 98, I guess it's August of 98. He becomes one of the. I guess he's the, uh, initial color commentator for Sunday night heat announcing alongside uh, Jerry Lawler, Jim Cornette and Kevin Kelly. And he even gets a, a shot at announcing an episode of Monday night raw. But of course, online, the critics were not exactly thrilled with his commentary, but commentary is a pretty 
tough thing to pull off. Uh, he's also the, uh, the voice of the video game, WWF attitude, along with Jerry Lawler in 99. I didn't think he was bad. Uh, maybe he gets a little too enthusiastic, but, uh, that's never a bad thing. What'd you think about Shane on commentary and why wasn't it maybe the best fit? Well, I don't know. It was different. And the idea behind it was to be different, not to do the stereotypical color commentator or commentator or anything. It was to attempt to get the voice of that demographic of a younger, much younger demographic and, and a bit of a wild child in that regard. So it was trying to do something different, trying to do not the stereotypical um, okay, here's a heel commentator, and he's going to be your uh, color commentator, and here's your babyface uh, commentator, play-by-play guy. It was just looking for Shane to add a different feel to it. A lot of it, you know, the MTV was evolving and changing up the way that they were doing business and, and how they were presenting their products. So a lot of it was experimental. And Shane was a good looking guy that, uh, had gift to gab. So why not use him? One of the other things I wanted to bring up is, you know, his, his behind the scenes relationship with the talent. Uh, I don't know when's a good place to actually have that conversation, but I've, I've always been curious. How does that change? Did it change? What was it like? Like. You know, as you said earlier, the boss's son, there is a certain expectation that comes with that. There are preconceived notions with that. Did he often try to prove that he was, you know, not just the boss's kid. He was one of the boys or how how does he fit in? Because it it really is a, a, a tough spot to be in. Is it not? You know, not walking in those shoes, it's really hard to judge. And it's really hard to explain to people just what that's like. So it's a tough, it's tough. I mean, it's, it's a tough road to haul. And when you are next to the boss, whether you're his son or whether you just work with him all the time, you're judged in a separate way. It's, it's people look at you as, Oh, well, they're next to the boss. They look at Shane. Oh, well, better be careful. That's the boss's kid. And for Shane, I think Shane was just trying to be his own man. Shane just wanted to be Shane. The, it's it's difficult. It's just difficult because you walk into any situation and you're already prejudged before anyone ever says hello to you as to uh, who you are and what you are based on, in this case, is genealogy. So Shane's walking in. Oh, it's Vince's kid. He looks like Vince. He walks like Vince. It's... it's um, Shane just wanted to be Shane. So I think that Shane tried to just be himself. And he happened to be Vince's son. Now that he's back on air officially, he's taking a more character-based role as a babyface. He even turns on his father by signing Stone Cold Steve Austin to a contract after Vince McMahon demoted him to the position of referee, at least in storyline. But of course, it's all part of a master plan by the evil chairman. We all remember survivor series 98 Shane turns heel turning on Austin and becoming an official member of the corporation. Of course, later that night, rock wins the WWF title. I liked Shane in that role though, going to count three and he flips off Steve Austin. Pretty iconic moment. 
and Shane pulled it off. There yeah. were, you know, uh, some people that thought that they were pushed in there a little too soon. Here's yeah, here, here's the stigma that often happens is you have someone new. Are they ready? You, uh, if you have ten people in the room, probably eight of them are going to tell you no, they're not ready. Well, when the hell are they going to be ready? And you're never going to know if they're ready or not unless you just put them out there and find out. Sometimes they may shit the bed. Sometimes they may just astound you. And there's a laundry list of people from Brock Lesnar to Kurt Angle, um, The Rock. Just you can go right down the list of people that weren't ready. Batista, you know, they weren't ready. Well, you you got to get ready. And Shane was put in that position. Shane had the double-edged sword of being young and inexperienced and also being a McMahon. So <laughs> for Shane, boy, you better deliver. And I think he did. I think he did a hell of a job. Let's talk about February of 99. Uh, McMahon's going to move away from the commentary role on heat. He's now a key part of the corporation angle. It's around this time that he fairly controversially wins the European championship from X-Pac. It happened on February 15th at raw in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, the title change stands in a tag match with Kane versus triple H and X-Pac. The two meet in a rematch at WrestleMania 15 and McMahon gets help from his childhood friends. The mean street posse a lot to unpack here, but when Shane won a title, there had to be some blowback somewhere, right? I don't know if there was or not here. Jim Cornette tells this story much better than I do, but there was an old promoter and Paul Bosch told me this story. Um, when I was probably 17 or 18 years old, there's this promoter who had this big raffle for a pony around Christmas time. And everyone would, you know, like buy raffle tickets or whatever. And they'd put their name in for, to win the pony for Christmas and comes time to draw the winning raffle ticket. And the promoter reaches in the bowl and shuffles all the entries around and pulls out, uh, the slip of paper. And he says, well, what do you know? My boy blue won the pony. (laughs) It was just, you know, that, that, People were so pissed that they had, you know, done this raffle. There's this big pony, this big presentation, and the promoter's kid wins the pony. Here's the story. The promoter's kid wins the championship. Um, It was meant to get a lot of heat. It was meant to get a lot of heat with the audience. Um, I don't think... You know, if got heat with any of the talent, then to to them, I would say, get over it. The business is work and we're telling stories and it was a good story. Um, but that's the impotence of it. We always that's what we'd always do. We'd always say, oh, hey, about how about uh, Shane win? And it's like, what do you know? Blue won the pony. And that was there you go. That's the story. So now not only does he beat X-Pac for the European title, by the way, I assume Waltman had no problem putting Shane over. 
None I ever heard of. Now, not only is he beating one of the better wrestlers uh, in the game for a title, he's also getting his, his, his childhood friends jobs. Tell us about the main street posse. Well, he wasn't getting his childhood friends jobs. It was Shane would tell stories about the mean streets of Greenwich (laughs) and, and and about his buddies and the mean street posse. And I got my posse man and you know, blah, blah, blah. The, The stories were actually true stories about his best friends, the mean street posse. They were not called the mean street posse that came out of the over exaggerations about the mean streets of Greenwich which um, aren't that mean. They're, you know, every, every once in a while, the lights will be too light on Greenwich Avenue, and sometimes that can be pretty mean and hurt your eyes. Um, but other than that, not much mean in Greenwich uh, other than bank accounts. So the idea became, and well, he talks about them. Why not create the Mean Street Posse? And originally... We were going to create, um, through other talent that we had developmental, a Mean Street Posse and bring guys in to portray the Mean Street Posse. And then we ended up using them in a vignette, the actual guys. And lo and behold, we had our Mean Street, you know, the Mean Street Posse. It was supposed to be a one-off type deal that... Took on a life of its own, which it sometimes sometimes does, and and it was in no way, shape, or form. Oh, hey, I gotta, I gotta get my buddy's jobs. It was th- these stories that became larger than life, and then it was like we need a Mean Street Posse. Then we shot something with the actual Mean Street Posse, and then it was like, well, shit, I guess we could use them for some stuff. It's They'll never get in the ring. We don't have to worry about that. They'll never, you know, this is just a one-off type deal. Have them in the car, in in the crowd. Then it grew from there. Be careful what you wish for. I don't know about you, but when I think about Shane McMahon, I think about that great theme song, Here Comes the Money. And whenever I'm thinking about money, I think about my money guy, Lenny Bakken. Lenny has been hooking Bruce and I up for a long, long time. We've got all of our friends using him. We just can't recommend it enough. And if you listen to my other pods, you've heard JR, you've heard Arn Anderson, all of these guys talk about the importance of having a money guy. You know, it's the old adage. It's not how much you make. It's how much you save. And unfortunately there's a lot of sad stories around wrestling where guys, you know, were really struggling at the end of their life. Things didn't work out the way they planned. And the reality is a lot of times that means they just didn't have a plan. And sometimes that's overwhelming and daunting. You don't know. And how do I get a plan? Well, Bruce and I got a plan with our friend, Lenny Bakken. He's been a listener of the show here for a long, long time. He's on social media. Uh, he's very active on there talking about wrestling. And I just want to just put a bug in your ear. If you're trying to do some new year, new me stuff, you've got some new year's resolutions about saving money and making a long-term plan, planning for retirement, things like that. Do what Bruce and I did hit up the man, hit up friend of the show, Lenny Bakken. Uh, and, and maybe you'll be saying, here comes the money. It won't just be for Shane. It'll be for you. Roll title on that. So in this match at WrestleMania 15, the, uh, the main street posse and triple H who's turning on X-Pac during the match, by the way, allows Shane to retain the European championship, but then he retires the title 
on the April 4th, Sunday night heat. He says he wants to retire as an undefeated champion. X-Pac of course would never regain the title. Shane later gives the title to Midian who found it in McMahon's duffel bag, thus reactivating it in June. So boy, this European title, this was pretty fucking prestigious, huh? Damn right. It was, uh, after WrestleMania Vince briefly makes his second face run and Shane takes control of the corporation. The next month at backlash, Shane plays the major foil of Steve Austin in a storyline revolving around the smoking skull belt. And with uh, wrestlers like triple H in this new faction, Shane feuds with his father in a new faction made up of former corporation members, the union. And on the UPN pilot for SmackDown, we would see Shane join forces with the undertaker and the ministry of darkness to form the corporate ministry. And eventually Vince was revealed to be the mastermind behind the faction. And his face turn was explained to be a plot to get the WWF title off of Austin. And it was me. It was me all along, Austin. <laughs> I don't know how Vince all of a sudden became the million dollar man, but eh, it works. Dude, he he's so great in that reveal, but that wasn't the original plan, right? I think it's been said over the years that there were there other- was no original plan, which is what fucked up the original plan. They Russo wanted to bring in Christopher Daniels or something like that. And I don't think they ever really had anybody for the chosen one or whatever the fuck he was. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Uh, Austin, Austin then met Shane and uh, Vince in a ladder match at King of the ring for ownership of the WWF. As in the storyline, Austin had 50%, which was assigned to him by Linda and Stephanie McMahon upset that Vince and Shane's complicity in the storyline of kidnapping Stephanie by the corporate ministry, Vince and Shane both had 25%. So whoever wins has a hundred percent control. Of course, Shane and Vince win the match when a mystery associate raised the briefcase out of Austin's reach. When he climbed the ladder, allowing Vince and Shane to grab the case, chat me up. This is like the biggest question we get every week here. Who was supposed to be the person raising that briefcase? Well, that's debatable. Uh, we all thought it should have been boss man. Right. And obviously it, it wasn't. And that was kind of, you know, during the time that boss man was on his way out with, with, um, with whatever happened with him, but it was just, um, yeah, I was drizzling shits. Yeah. It's weird that there was never a reveal there, by the way, I do. No, want- it was weird. There was never a reveal and there was, it was just, it went up and down and up and down. And yeah, it was, there's a reveal. Cool. Show me the guy doing it. Give me a fucking story. But no, there wasn't. Was, was Vince just like, ah, it doesn't fucking matter. Who cares? I think that by the time they got there, that the, the reveal no longer was the story mm. where the reveal of being boss man, you could have had somebody for Austin to go with, but then when it decided not to be boss man for whatever reason, it was, it didn't matter anymore, but then, okay, well then let's come up with something else, but oh, well in 99, believe it or not, Shane is awarded the pro wrestling illustrated rookie of the year award. Uh, but he declined to accept it saying, these are for the boys, not me. It's probably the right thing to say there, huh? 
Yeah, he really means it. And Shane, look, when Shane trained to get into the ring, um, I, I can't remember Kurt Angle. I'll throw Kurt Angle um, trained like a maniac. But Shane McMahon training to get into the ring was, you talk about intensity in and he was intensity personified. Shane busted his ass every day, every night. If Shane had extra time, he would call my brother Tom and say, hey, can we get in the ring? Um, poor Tom. <laughs> the shit beat out of him by Shane. And but, but Shane put the work in. I mean, he busted his ass with any and everybody that would get in the ring and work with him. I think that can't really be overstated because it would be so easy. You know, you look at other examples and boy, this isn't fair. And I even hate to bring it up, but you look at like Eric Watts, you know, oh, the son of a promoter. Here we go. That type of shit. And then you see the execution and you're like, oh, they're pushing up down people's throats. This guy's the shits, yada, yada, yada. Now compare that to the way Shane McMahon's story has unfolded. It's not even remotely the same. That says a lot about Shane and Vince, right? Yeah. And, and it was, it was more out of, you know, for Shane, Shane wanted to be as good as he possibly could be. So as not to embarrass himself, not to embarrass the family and and not to embarrass the company. So he did everything that he could to get out there and, and learn. And Vince wasn't going to put him out there until he was confident and comfortable that he was able to hold his own. I know as far as the in-ring stuff, he would talk to somebody like your brother, but as far as character stuff and being a TV performer, you're often in gorilla in that era. When he comes back through, you're his old drinking pal. Does he ever seek your counsel and say, Hey, what'd you think of that? What can I do better? That type of thing. Absolutely. I mean, I, I helped Shane, but it wasn't just me. Shane would absorb and go to everybody. And the difference was, I think, that Shane was able to decipher everyone's advice and was one of those unique people that could take everybody's advice, not confuse it, and take what worked for him and then go make it work for him. So Shane was a sponge. He just he wanted to ask any and everybody, um, you know, what what he did right, what he did wrong. A lot of times you want to know, okay, you know, what did I fuck up? Uh, how, sh- how should I have done that differently? So he was, he was a sponge. I, I want to also mention that he's got a great group of guys around him to probably seek counsel from guys like Gerald Briscoe and Pat Patterson. I assume that because he's grown up with all those guys, they're being very, very helpful as well. Oh, sure. Because they, they want him to succeed. And also You know, you want somebody to succeed who has the kind of desire that Shane had and had the work ethic. It wasn't somebody that, you know, just would gratuitously go, hey, yeah, man, what'd you think of my match? Uh, Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hey, yeah. Thanks, man. You know, and walk on. Shane would put it practically into use and had follow up questions. and And it wasn't just the obligatory, hey, how was my match? It was he. He wanted to know (laughs) how was my match and how can I do better? I also want to mention that now that he's got his ownership reinstated, 
He's going to turn his sights to test who at the time is a baby face and dating his sister, Stephanie Shane disapproves of this relationship. Feels like, uh, he is beneath the family standards winds up in a feud with test. Of course, he's got some help from the main street posse. what do you think of, uh, this match with test? There's a SummerSlam payoff, I guess, called a lover or lever match with the stipulation being if McMahon wins test and Stephanie can no longer see each other, but if he loses, he has to give his blessing and the match is pretty stiff, pretty brutal. You go back and see that. And, uh, well, you see the, the shades of what Shane is going to become the big flying elbow off the top rope through a table. What'd you think of that SummerSlam lover or lever? I thought it was brutal. Um, <laughs> they beat the shit out of each other. It was two green, hungry talent setting out to prove something to everybody else. And I think it showed just how tough they both were. And not everybody, not everybody was in the test camp. You know, it was, here's this guy from Canada coming in big kid with good look and good body. However, there wasn't that confidence in his in ring ability. So being put into this position with Shane, it was an opportunity for both of them to kind of prove a point. I think there were just as many detractors um, towards Shane as well. Like, oh, my God, what is this kid doing in here? He shouldn't be in here. Um, so they went out and beat the shit out of each other. Looked like it hurt. Uh, yeah. Um, talk about the big elbow drop spot. It's got to be Shane's idea, right? He likes jumping off shit. Yeah, Shane likes jumping off shit. That's for damn sure. It's uh, his years would go on, so would the height. What's Vince think of that? Is he cool with it? I don't know that. I don't think that he really is. I think that there's a, a part of him that is a is a father and and as a also as a producer, where you look at it and go, okay. Um, I don't want you to do that. I can tell you from my vantage point, I was never really in favor of the big high stuff. Just not my cup of tea. Uh, I'm terrified of heights. So the thought of someone else up there, it's just, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, of course, test is, is, is poised to marry Stephanie that year. But as we know by now, a different groom steps in Mr. Triple H. And as Vince is then feuding with Triple H, Shane's attacked in early December, 99 by triple H and DX and thrown off the stage in a gang style attack. And, uh, they're preventing members of the corporation from saving him. And later in the year, Stephanie's going to turn heel. And now she's got her new kayfabe husband, triple H and they start the whole McMahon Helmsley faction. And we're off to the races. Stephanie turning heel. Was that always the plan to get all the McMahons to be big characters on TV or did everybody just sort of take to it like a fish to water and we're off to the races? It was, it was more along the lines of once they got into it, all of a sudden it was like, well, shit, we got some great characters here. So let's keep going. I don't think that much like Vince's father didn't want to see, uh, <laughs> Vince as a performer. I'm not sure that Vince, really wanted to see the kids as, as performers. However, once they got into it, it was a matter of, they were good. They weren't George Goulas. 
They were good. Uh, at no way out 2000 Shane makes his return as a heel again, trying to help the big show defeat the rock. Uh, these efforts fail as rock or, or Vince returns the next Monday night on, on raw. And then uh, rock gets a rematch with big show and, uh, they start the road to WrestleMania. And this is essentially where we get the whole McMahon in every corner concept. Um, how did Shane shake out in all of that? Well, I, you know, look, I, I think that when you looked at the, the real question is, is, is what the hell was Linda doing in there more than anything? Yeah. L- Linda, Linda was, was the reluctant performer of, of the group. And as we'll see a year later, um, in the storyline with Linda in the wheelchair, Linda stole the show in the group, but Linda was the, the one that you looked at the most and said, ah, you know, which one doesn't belong here in the performing area. And was it something that Linda, I don't think she really enjoyed doing it. Um, but the rest of them, it kind of was like peanut butter and jelly. But they, they fit, you know, they fit like a glove in the business and we're just naturals. They belong. Steven's brand new deep Navy blue and sparkling 24 karat gold dip twinkle, twinkle roses here. But time is already running out because the brand new color sells out each year. Don't miss out. Imagine on Valentine's day when she opens this really cool gift box and outslides a blue rose trimmed in gold, you know, blue, the color of the sky just before the sun sets. And you can start to see all the stars sparkling in the night sky. It's breathtaking. Go now to see this real 24 karat gold rose deeply dipped in real pure 24 karat gold with petals in this unique and dazzling blue color that mimics the stars in the sky exclusively available at Steven Singer jewelers, real jewelers, real roses, really dipped in pure 24 karat gold with a real lifetime guarantee. It's always the number one Valentine's day gift that lasts forever. It comes with your own free personal love note and ships fast and free to the real love of your life, your wife, your daughter, your sweetheart, and say, I'm lucky to have you in my life. Check out the entire collection of Steven's famous roses. Roses started only $59. Go right now to I hate Steven That's I hate Steven Let me ask you about Linda for a minute. You know, we often hear guys who are in the business when it comes time to have a conversation about their kids maybe having an interest in the business or whatever you often hear them say, Oh no, I don't want my kid getting in the business. And I wonder how that might be different from a Linda McMahon perspective, because obviously she's had a a corporate role and, and, and her kids existence in the wrestling business wouldn't be like any other kids in the wrestling business existence. Was she hesitant uh, to encourage or discourage or where did she stand on the kids getting in the family biz? Well, as far as getting in the business, I think that they were encouraging them to get into the business. As far as getting into the performing end of the business, I think there may have been a little bit of hesitation. But once, you know, once they're in it, you go, okay, uh, they're good. So maybe, <laughs> maybe that's where they belong. And that's, you know, that's a tough a tough thing for a parent. Sometimes I've, I've wrestled with it a lot myself. Um, 
from different times and I've thought that, you know, God would, if either of my kids came to me and wanted to be in the business, how, how would I react? And would I discourage it or encourage it? I think I would let them go down that road and figure it out. And I think that's what, that's what Vince and Linda did here. Well, eventually we see Shane start a program with big show and, uh, they have a match at judgment day, which McMahon wins after a little help from test and Albert with some other f- folks as well. And over the next several months, he's going to align himself with other heel wrestlers, uh, especially Chris Benoit and his feud over the WWF title with the rock. He's also aligning himself with edge and Christian who are going to help him win the hardcore championship from Steve Blackman. And they meet at a SummerSlam rematch, which is still something that we see clips of all the time. The incredible visual of Shane McMahon falling 50 feet through the stage. He's climbing up the set, trying to escape Blackman. Blackman gives him chase, hits him with the Singapore cane. Down he goes. My God, what a big bump. I know it's choreographed. I know it's safe. I know you took all the precautions, blah, blah, blah. But my goodness, I can't imagine being Linda or Vince watching that and knowing, well, there goes my son. Yeah, it's, uh, the idea kind of came in a little bit from your, your stand out there sometimes and people will oftentimes find me in the arena, just sitting in the arena by myself staring and you're always looking for something that you haven't done yet and something that um, could be unique in the confines of where you are at the time. The Tron is, is there every week. It's, it's something that's in your face. It almost becomes invisible at times. And we used to, you know, we used to joke about Michael Hayes. Well, fuck, what if he could jump up off of that? And then he could do double super somersault and twisty firm snave his swan tom firm into the kiss of death up to the thing in purple whatever. The idea, you know, Shane's climbing up this thing, but the the story is, is okay, he gets up there, where does he go? Right. And the only place to go is down. So, you know, that's where it came from. And again, safety was, you know, number one. And that's, it was, but it was still scary as hell. I I wouldn't do it. You couldn't even get me to climb and be up on top, uh, on the lower level of the Tron and be up there. Fuck that. Um, so yeah, that was, was pretty scary. And, but it was something that Shane was very comfortable with and, and wanted to do. He wanted to, in his head, I think that Shane always wants to outdo himself. Yeah. And I get that because it feels like every time there's something big, that motherfucker's going to jump off it. As crazy as it sounds. <coughs> I like that you I pretended. Did, I didn't mute that. Did I <laughs> just so you know, Bruce leaned forward. Hit a switch on his microphone and then covered his arm or coughed into his elbow. Like he's a second grader or a considerate person during Corona. And then immediately looked up at me realizing I heard that in my own headphones. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck it. I'm not even going to try. And I know I haven't tried that hard and just leave the coughs in. We're good. We're just leaving the coughs in. We're glad you're here, baby. Fuck it. I'm here. 
Um, listen, this is a time by like fucking 50 minutes. Weird thing to ask, but I got to ask because I'm me. Does anybody say, I'm not sure if we should do a, a, a fall stunt like that with Shane on the heels of Owen, or does it not Uh, even register as the same thing? It's not even close to the same thing, right? Not even remotely close to the same thing because everything around it was, uh, airbags and everything else. So it wasn't even remotely close. Let's, uh, let's keep going here. Let's talk about the Alliance in 2001. Shane makes his third face run this time by feuding with his father. Uh, the feud with Vince was uh, due to the elder McMahon's kayfabe affair with Trish Stratus and, uh, Vince's uh, spiteful demand to divorce Linda McMahon. Um, of course, this is all happening at a very interesting time because around this same time, WCW is going to be for sale and the WWF snatches it up. And well, Shane has a big part of that. As we know, he's revealed to be the new kayfabe owner of world championship wrestling during the simulcast of raw and nitro. And you happen to actually be there in Florida when it all happened. Why was Shane the right guy? What can you tell us about how this all came together? Well, I think that when you look at storylines and you look at hostile takeovers and what have you with family members, a lot of times it it happens every day in in big business. So the idea was, was to have one of his family members actually go down and, and scoop it out from under him, him being Vince and the logical person at that point was Shane because we had the match coming up with Vince and Shane at WrestleMania. So it was able to feed into that storyline. And then later on Stephanie with ECW and, and what have you and the whole kids versus the dad, uh, scenario that came up from that. But, you know, Shane was, Shane was a strong character and there was, you know, back in, in crazy days of, of scenarios of what ifs of what if we bought WCW and what if we ran it as a completely separate entity and had two separate companies and, and the two didn't, um, didn't cooperate. I mean, obviously they would, but it would, it wouldn't be, you go run your business. We'll go run our business. And, just those kind of scenarios it just took us back to Shane Shane being the one to buy it buy it out from uh Vince and if Vince only knew that you know Shane got it for uh $350 instead of the 295 that Vince was offering then you know I bet Vince would have gone to like $360 yeah like price is right he went 351 351. Yeah. And, and he would have gotten it. So let's talk about WrestleMania seven. Of course, that whole simulcast thing happens. All right. You know what? No, let's double down for a minute. Let's, let's talk about that. How are, how are the WCW personnel, be it office folks in ring talent, whatever, how did they react to seeing Shane McMahon there? And, and how was Shane with them? Cause that's gotta be a weird feeling too, right? The whole day was weird. The whole day was was a lot of unknowns, and the whole day was a lot of, 
you know, what ifs and unknowns from the standpoint of we didn't know what we were walking into. The poor folks at WCW had no idea what was walking into them. And it all happened so fast that it's okay. You know, you're this is what you got to do. This we, we've got to go in and, and talk to them, not even knowing really what we what we were going to do because we hadn't even seen the other side of that business proposal. We had we had purchased assets, certain assets that we were interested in, the tape library, some of the equipment, and things of that nature. Once it it became clear that TNT and TBS didn't want to have anything to do with uh, wrestling anymore, well, that that changed the whole dynamic of what we thought we might have been interested in. And, and again, that's why it went, you know, in a, in a fire sale, basically, for lack of a better term. So we didn't have a lot of answers. And going into it, the WCW guys, well, shit, I think most of them wanted jobs. You know, they didn't want to be out on the street and, and wondering, what am I going to do next? But a lot of them had contracts with uh, Time Warner, AOL Time Warner, that were going to be paid out. And, you know, some did, some didn't. But we still had not been able to have access to go through all of that shit. So there was no way to give them a lot of answers. I thought uh, Shane handled it like a champ. Shane addressed everyone. Um, when everyone got there, the the folks, the agents, the talent, I thought everybody worked great with us that day. Um, it was, you know, shit, it was a scary time. Nobody knew. They didn't know what their future was. We didn't know what their future was. So it wasn't like we could say, hey, man, this is all going to be okay, because we didn't know. It's like, hey, man, we're going to get into this, and we're going to look at it, and we're going to let everybody know as soon as we make a decision and we understand exactly what it is that we have. Let's uh, let's talk about what happened six days later. <laughs> and this is almost sort of forgotten in hindsight. Vince wrestled Shane in a street fight six days later at the biggest WrestleMania ever. They go 14 minutes and 12 seconds. Shane's even going to bust out the modified van terminator, which is a drop kick all the way across the ring into a garbage can right into dear old dad's face. And as crazy as a spot as that is, and all the other physicality, you know, there's a lot of potatoes in here and you start to see mouses show up on their, uh, each other's eyes. And, uh, there's kendo sticks and the biggest pop was when Linda simply stood up. Isn't that remarkable? Yes, it was so, so good. Yeah. And it was just, that's why I say, you know, I was like, people say, oh, Linda, you know, was the odd one out. And you look at throughout that storyline, which was a crazy storyline that can never be <laughs> replicated, hopefully ever. Um, standing up out of a wheelchair. Yeah. Got one of the biggest pops of the entire night. When, when the show is over or not the show, but the match is over and Shane's in the back and Linda and Stephanie and Vince, I mean, the year prior, the whole McMahon and every corner thing was just sort of there, but here in 2001, this feels like a home run. 
Was it not? Uh, it was. It, it was just classic, man. It, it was beautiful culmination, a great ending to the story, and I think a little bit of relief because it did it got pulled off as well as it did. I also want to mention that Backlash McMahon debuts his new theme song, "Here Comes the Money." And it's in a last man standing. Here comes the money, 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 money. That's all I know. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know, what's easy bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renter insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Shane does the, uh, the big leap of faith off the top of the scaffolding and the set there. He knocks himself and show out test helps McMahon do his feet, causing McMahon to get the victory. But dude, another crazy spot. This is, I mean, Shane McMahon has become the daredevil of the company, right? Oh, uh, either that or just a crazy son bitch. Yes. As if that wasn't enough after he's jumped, let's recap so far. Y'all off the top rope through a table on an elbow, uh, onto test at SummerSlam, uh, the big spot at the next big show with the big, the next big SummerSlam, another big fall off of the scaffolding, uh, by the Titan Tron and the Steve Blackman match, the big coast to coast van terminator on dear old dad. Now this big leap of faith spot off the set onto big show. Well, surely he's going to tone it down, right? Nope. Now it's time to start feuding with Kurt angle and my God, what a street fight they had. You've told the story here before on the show, uh, about just how brutal it was. And you're watching in gorilla and Vince is flipping out, right? Yeah. Vince wasn't happy. You know, it was, it, uh, we had the glass panels there and we knew that one of them, Shane was going to be going through. However, um, what should have been the easiest bump of the evening turned into the most horrific uh, sequence of just suplexes and shit that God, I mean, it was, it was, it was horrible and it's horrible to sit there and watch a friend of yours. It's even worse when their father is standing over you and, and wanting to kill you because you're just close as you're the closest right. person yeah. for them to vent on. Um, I even, you know, went out at one point in there and told the referee, you know, hidden behind the curtain at gorilla. It's like, do not tell them, get them back in the ring. Don't let them do it again. And they continued until Shane went through. It was scary and not something that, uh, yeah, not something I ever wanted to do again. Not a lot of fun. No, Painfully brutal. I know it was brutal, but it's probably the highlight of Shane's career up to this point. Is it not? I mean, when people think about, you know, what's Shane McMahon's best match? What's his craziest match? Hey, let's watch a Shane McMahon match. They go to this Kurt Angle King of the Ring, don't they? I think so. Yeah, I, it was it was insanity. And um, I'll tell you, the, the, the guy that whoever did those panels. Um, 
I don't think would ever be invited back anywhere near our product ever again. Lots of heat on him, huh? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I don't know what it is about, um, Hollywood people in, in regard to, to doing some things and just what goes through their heads. But, uh, yeah, I don't even know who, I don't even know who it was, but I know they weren't around after that. Well, not too terribly long. I guess we should mention too, this is, this is June, right? So this doomed invasion angle is underway. Shane is then going to begin to lead the WCW wrestlers against his father and the WWF wrestlers eventually turning heel by joining forces with Paul Heyman and his brand of extreme championship wrestlers. And they have a new owner, Stephanie McMahon Helmsley. Originally Shane had a different idea for ECW. Did he not in real life? I mean, well, Shane, you know, at one point, no different than, than WCW, uh, you know, Shane wanted to purchase ECW and run it as a separate brand. Um, and that obviously didn't pan out as ECW when you, you know, you got it. It, it was the same thing. It was kind of like, you know, what are you buying? There wasn't, there wasn't really anything there there to buy at that time other than the um tape library let's talk a little bit about um this whole alliance thing but before we do i want to ask the other thing we heard about shane was he once upon a time encouraged vince to buy the ufc do you remember hearing that well we had um God, Meyerwitz. Yep. Um, Bob Meyerwitz. Bob Meyerwitz. And I, we had a mutual friend and so on and so forth. And Meyerwitz was, was putting UFC out there and wanting to, wanting to sell and also looking at, you know, ways to, to change and what have you. So I know that Shane was definitely – uh, interested in buying the UFC during that time, we had meetings with Meyerwitz, um, and, uh, Campbell, Campbell McLaren. Um, but they, you know, I think that first of all, they originally, they weren't asking for a whole lot. I mean, they, they weren't asking for a whole lot, but it was more than Vince was willing to pay at the time. And, the the overhaul on the UFC that the Fertitas were able to pull off and Dana White with the overhaul of the rules and the presentation and everything else was, you know, that was the best thing that could have happened to him. I don't know that we as a company could have overcome the stigma of WWE owning UFC and been able to make all the changes that UFC needed to make. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Well, there were some changes probably needed for this invasion angle. We know it's going to culminate at survivor series. Uh, ultimately the WWF wins. Yay. The following night on raw Vince publicly fires, both Shane and Stephanie. Shane's going to take it in stride, uh, admitting he lost to a better man, but of course, Stephanie's going to plead with her father before being forcibly removed. 
<sighs> what's what Shane think of the uh, invasion angle? I mean, it had to be frustrating because on paper it seems like a dream scenario, and then in execution, it's well, more like a nightmare. We were all for yeah. I think we were all frustrated because no different than the audience that is looking at this. The audience looks at it and says, "Okay, hey, you've got WCW. Well, you got Goldberg. You got Nash. You got Hall. You got Hogan. You got all these guys that were not a part of the deal." So it's, yeah, it was, it was just disappointing. And the talent that we thought we had, some of the young up and comers were not great. Right. So it was a disappointing time overall for everybody. Let's, um, let's talk about Shane as, as a fallout, as a casualty of this invasion thing, because once he's out of there, He's off TV for a while. I mean, he has a brief appearance on July 15th on raw, but we don't really see him on TV for a bit. As a friend of ours would say, what's up with that? Like, was there, is this just one of those creative had nothing for him? Was he hurting Did he want to not travel as much? Wanted to take on some more roles behind the scenes. Shane was a good character and then gone. Well, I think that, that Shane was looking at doing other things behind the scenes yeah. and devoting more time to that. The character needed a rest. It is a culmination of a lot of different things. But uh, most importantly, he had other duties that he really wanted to focus on as well. I also want to mention that uh, in 2003, he became the executive vice president of WWE Global Media. And he's going to be looking into uh, international TV distribution, live event bookings, digital media, consumer products, and publishing. He's going to negotiate some major TV deals over in England, Mexico, South America, and a lot of other countries around the globe. Um, how was Shane, you know, as a, as an office guy, not, we know how he was as a performer. He was entertaining show stealer at times, daredevil, if you will. But now, and you know, several years into his run, 2003 now he's uh he's doing some big things behind the scenes how was he thought he was very good shane had the same intensity in the office and in business the same intensity that he had in the ring so being able to utilize that and in business on that side of things having the last name mcmahon wasn't something that people held against and was like okay hey now we're dealing with a member of the family we're dealing with somebody that has a direct pipeline and Shane was just integral as far as he was doing the magazine. He was doing all the internet stuff and had these global aspirations and able to get out and have the right people in the right roles to be able to negotiate those deals and get involved. So, he was out there doing it. I, you know, the, you go back and the story I've told way back in the good Lord, it was late nineties, but, uh, heading overseas and having the meetings with Simon Cowell and Simon, uh, his partner with Wayne DeBand. And, and that was me and Shane McMahon and Wayne that were doing that. And it was bringing Shane along and, and this guy by the name of Wayne DuBan, who we had for our international, sales and what have you was, um, I thought he was brilliant, but he was, he was an older gentleman. And, and we knew that he was 
kind of on his way out in general, but Jesus, he, he taught us both a lot and he taught Shane a lot and taught really helped him out with that international expansion. Let's, um, let's talk about what else he's going to do on camera here. Uh, he makes his first on-screen appearance in like two years on an episode of SmackDown before WrestleMania 19. This time he's watching his father's training in the gym to prepare for his match against Hulk Hogan. Of course, during that match at mania, he goes out to check on his father's welfare following a street fight with Hogan. Hogan welcomes Shane in the ring and then walks out. The two look at each other for a moment and it looks like something's going to happen, but it never did. Um, and then he actually returns as a babyface, I guess, in the summer of 03, getting involved with a feud with Eric Bischoff, who had been making some improper remarks and gestures towards Shane's mother, Linda. He winds up defeating Bischoff in a false count anywhere match at SummerSlam. But by this point, Meltzer had sort of turned a corner on Shane's work. Here's what he wrote. Shane McMahon beat Eric Bischoff. This was the main event of the show. According to the good folks at the SummerSlam website, Shane gave him what appeared to be a stiff beating early. Austin finally came out. Not a moment too soon. Shane grabbed Eric's hand and made it slap Austin, which counted as provocation. So Austin gave him a stunner. Shane lifted him up at two, then dragged him outside and put him on the announcer's table. He climbed up top and he got to do his wacky high spot, the flying elbow. As he, uh, smashed into Eric, Shane looked to have knocked himself batty doing it. And Eric's head bashed into something and he got busted open the hard way. Welcome to everything I hate about wrestling. Shane kind of sort of covered Eric. And then the ref counted three. Austin made the barely conscious Shane drink beer afterwards. Well, if anyone knows how tough these McMahons are, it's Steve Austin, half a star. So he's kind of critical of it. I guess it is two non-wrestlers. It's not supposed to be, uh, the Tokyo dome, as you like to say, but, uh, I don't know. I thought it was a nice storyline. I thought Eric was a great TV character. I thought Shane was too. I didn't hate it. What'd you think? Yeah. Well, that last paragraph is everything that I hate about wrestling. Um, I thought that they told a great story and it was two guys that were not wrestlers that went out and told the story and the story was told beautifully, but it wasn't, it wasn't supposed to be, uh, some technical, um, non-selling extravaganza of high spots. Was Shane knocked unconscious during the match? As far as you know, not that I know of. Okay. Let's, uh, let's keep it going here. Let's talk about the next big rivalry for Shane. He's going to be feuding with Kane after Linda get, uh, got a tombstone pile driver. Uh, and the, the match ultimately leads to another last man standing match, which I guess at this point is a specialty of Shane McMahon's. It happens at unforgiven. And then there's even an ambulance match at survivor series. But again, can I just say something about that? Yeah. When Shane, when Kane gave Linda a tombstone. Yes. That's a sentence. I know. And, and I just, that was one of those, one of those days of, you know, Linda bless her heart, man. was just like, okay, just, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was, she, and again, she was the last one of the group that wanted to be in front of a camera. Never wanted to take a bump, do any of that stuff. And was just like, okay. And did it like a champ crazy. I, um, you know, I, I, I don't know what to say about Linda taking a tombstone, but I can't wait to hear what you have to say 
about Kane putting jumper cables on Shane McMahon's nuts and torturing him on TV. Yeah. Well, well, where would you put the jumper cables, Conrad? Well, you, you told me that back in the day you used to put you and Piper used to use the nipples. Yeah. So we did that too, though. Didn't we, didn't we do the nipples too? At one point? I don't know, bud. Jumper cables on genitals. It's not something. Yeah. What's your favorite Harley race genital jumping jumper cable? <laughs> that night in Kansas city, when he said, Hey, what's your finish? <laughs> I'll, I'll put jumper cables on your nipples. <sighs> that one. The best. Serious business. Jumper cables. Oh, yeah. I'm getting serious business. You got to give me something here, bud. Jumper cables. Yeah. On wet testicles. Wet testicles. Yeah. Because that makes electricity go even more so. And if you're going to get a jolt of electricity, I see you smiling there. You're thinking right now about. Hmm. How can I get, I'm just thinking about all these fireballs I've been seeing on TV lately, but I know we can't talk. How can I get that into the bedroom and and Megan not even notice it? Yeah. And then she tries to get up and go to the bathroom and does a flare flop. Yes. And scene, uh, after survivor series, McMahon leaves raw to focus his attention on the executive creative staff and his new family at WrestleMania 20. He briefly appears on camera during the opening of the event. Uh, with, uh, Vince and of course his newborn son, that's a pretty cool moment to see all the different generations of McMahon start WrestleMania 20. Yeah, it was. I thought that was one of the, and that was kind of a surprise that we did for them. Uh, how was it a fucking surprise for them if they filmed it? Well, they didn't see the end deal that what it was going to be. Okay. I got you. God damn. <laughs> we, we did it. It was a surprise. I mean, we've, we did it. We surprised him. We snuck in and said, Hey, smile. <laughs> smile, little baby. Go, 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 go. Look at Uncle BS. Go, 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 go. I'm going to get you. Do, 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 do. Oh, my God. Little baby, little baby Declan went, do, do, do. Okay, here we go. There's a three hour special. Baby. <laughs> October of 05, there's a three hour raw. It's billed as WWE homecoming. All four McMahons are given a stone cold stunner by stone cold. It never gets old. Uh, the following week, Vince demands an apology from the ringside commentators for not coming to the family's aid turns into a new feud here to make GR look bad. But around this time we get a little rumor that pops up. So the story goes when Stephanie gets pregnant with her first baby, Vince wants to run an incest angle where in the climax, it would be revealed that, uh, Vince McMahon was the daddy. He didn't want to run an incest angle. He asked a question one time. What if he was the father? That's it. Now Hang people on. can run with that and that, that but uh, nothing more than that. It wasn't goddamn we'll have an incest. It, it was, <laughs> well, again, this is coming from people that have never fucking been in had a creative bone in their goddamn body. Help. You throw shit help. out and creative. Help. Just trying to yell for help here. When Stephanie shoots down the angle, allegedly Vince says, well, goddamn, what if it was Shane? <laughs> <laughs> 
when she shoots down the idea of it being Vince, did he pitch Shane? Please say yes. Please say yes. See, this is the shit of this is why you go, this is why you go missing little, for two little weeks. Rumor and innuendo and bullshit. That just goddamn. We've talked about the this angle before, but I didn't know the whole wrinkle of what if it was Shane. Yeah, because that just didn't happen. And if it did happen, it would have been a flippant joke. What if it was Conrad? Well, yeah, that would have been cool. Shane <laughs> uh, returned in 06 as a heel, again, standing side by side with his father uh, to help with his feud with Shawn Michaels. This is real. I can't believe this is real, but it is. Of course, eventually, um, <laughs> Shane and Michaels face each other at a street fight. Uh, at, at the, uh, Saturday night's main event, which is a pretty cool deal at WrestleMania 22. We saw Sean defeat Vince, but of course we know what's coming at backlash. Shane and Vince are going to team up to take on Sean and God. Did you notice what you did there with the microphone? You went, God, I didn't mean to God chat me up. God. <laughs> Um, <laughs> what I'm just thinking about what all you've put this guy through so far. We're throwing him through glass panels and off of sets and electrocuting his testicles. Now we're saying, Hey man, got to do a collar and elbow with God. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing to Vince? And what are you doing to Shane? Why are you doing this? This is you personally. This is your fault. I actually did produce the shit in the Catholic church. I have no doubt. Yeah. How did Shane feel about all this? We know we, we don't know, but I can guess that Vince was all for it. Where was Shane on all this? Well, if you notice in the vignette, Shane kind of stood back and to the left a little bit. So that when the lightning bolt came down, that it might miss him. So it, you know, it was, What's wrong with, you know, they had, you had George Burns as God and a whole movie about God. Why can't we work with him? But he's a hell of a worker. Oh my gosh. Listen to you. What? Well, the f- you can tell me some of these televangelists and the, this preacher here, preacher there ain't working. They got one selling a thought of the day. Damn little cube, you press the thing and it gives you a thought of a day and then you can subscribe to them and give to their church so they give you a new thought of the day. I get enough thoughts during the day that I don't need a little cube to push a button and get a thought of the day. Well, you gotta get hot about it. Did you say unless unless they're a sponsor? They're not a sponsor, (laughs) but I doubt that they would be sponsoring this now's a great time to remind everybody about our new sponsor dial a blessing (laughs) (laughs) this uh the feud later evolves in what i can get behind that oh geez yeah it it would be great if you broke out the gimmick sometime you know can you believe that was three years ago what's that when you like it was three years ago this month me and you went back to raw 25 and you were like taking over the internet. Everybody was voting for you. They were most excited for you that pissed off. You beat stone cold, Steve Austin in the poll and it pissed off WWE so much. They took it down 
and you had to like go get new brother love shit. And we did a whole show with Eric at the Barclays center. It was kind of a big deal. Is any of this ringing a bell? We sold out Barclays, didn't we? Yeah. Hanging from the rafters. Well, we did actually sell out Barclays. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Practice court, but whatever. Well, uh, Counts. We we took what was given to us. We hey, sold the motherfucker out. Not a lot of other wrestling podcasts can say they played at Barclays. Just yeah. saying. Just saying. Yeah. But you remember that part. And you got to be Brother Love one last time. Well, I guess not one last time. You've done it a few times since now, but still. Yeah, I had to get a new suit and shit, though, for that one. Yeah, because you threw yours off a bridge, right? Yes. It was, it's, I, you know what? I was corrected. I was talking to, uh, my good friend, Rob Taylor, at RGT for law.com. Yeah. And, um, if you're a loved one, I've been affected by it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so I was telling him, I was telling him that story and he goes, um, well actually Bruce, it's causeway. Oh, geez. And I'm like, fuck you, Rob. Wow. Excuse the fuck out of me, man. I've told this story a million fucking times. It's a goddamn bridge. Yeah. Don't let the but truth get in the way so of a good story. No one Galveston is the causeway. So later, uh, the feud evolves into triple H, uh, being involved as well. And the McMahons have now enlisted him to take out Shawn Michaels. So triple H is frustrated with this and, uh, it's distracting him from his quest to regain the WWE title. And he winds up bashing Shane with his signature weapon, the sledgehammer. And in what was considered to be an accident, it put Shane out of the ring for a while. Vince is now trying to humble triple H and get some retribution. And we're off to the races a little bit. The McMahons and the then ECW champion big show are going to face DX in a hell in a cell match. Um, what can you tell us about this little creative piece of business? Now we've got the son and the son-in-law all involved and intertwined here. Well, Conrad, you know how like there are some things that you just block out of your mind, and I've talked about this uh, on the podcast through the years, about how there are just some that just are a mental block. And this falls into one of those just mental blocks. Well, let me see. Big here, Show maybe. being ECW champion. How about Big Show's bare naked ass being revealed on TV? It was in this match where they pulled his trunks down, and you got to see Big Show's bare ass. Do you remember that? Yeah, I... But I do, but it's, it's that block it's fighting me. It's like, what about all of the promos at the time about how Vince loves cock? They brought back DX. They wanted to make sure everybody knew that Vince loves cock. That was the rooster cock. Yeah. 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 That's what I'm saying. What are you thinking? I'm yeah. saying, well, you're being rude. No, I just, I, I, you being rude. No. So you're sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, let's talk about pride. October 21st, 2006, uh, pride holds an event here at the Thomas and Mack center in, uh, in Las Vegas, Shane's actually there. And there's lots of speculation that, Hey, maybe WWE is going to consider getting into MMA events. And apparently there was at least a meeting uh, on uh, November 17th in Stanford, Connecticut with dream stage entertainment officials, the parent company of pride and the meeting focused on how we might could do some business together. What do you remember about pride in WWE having a conversation. Well, shit, when pride first, even before pride had their first event, uh, in Japan, I met with them, uh, in Japan with Victor Quinones and very, when I say I met with him, very informal, took me, took me to their dojo. We met, they talked about their new promotion and, and what they wanted to do. 
Um, but here it was nothing more than, you know, Shane is likes MMA. Shane went out to their, to their fight. So I guess if he's there, then that must mean something other than him being a fan of the product. Um, we did meet with them just about whether or not there was interest and no different than anybody else coming in and, and saying, Hey, we have a product. We'd like to know if this is something that would interest you guys, if you'd want to be a part of it. And that that's really all it was. On uh, March 5th, 2007, Shane comes back to inform his father, Vince, about the guest referee for the battle of the billionaires. He tells them that, uh, their opponents on the board of directors had won the vote five to four. And the McMahon's had intended for Shane to be the referee, but instead now it's going to be stone cold, Steve Austin. As we know, of course, Vince loses, gets his head shaved. Shane had to be loving this. Vince getting his head shaved. Yeah. <laughs> Not as much as me. Has to be. I've been, wanting to get, I've been wanting to get that head of hair for a while. At backlash. This is a real thing. ECW championships on the line. Shane, along with Vince McMahon and Umaga are going to defeat Lashley for the title. Vince gains the pin. So now Vince McMahon is the ECW world champion. Next time I see a champion that those three letters could be proud of. I'm going to punch you square in the dick. Next time I see you. Why? Just for a, for allowing that to happen and B for saying that. Can you name anyone better? No, you cannot. So, okay, we'll move on. Um, it seems like once upon a time, Shane would have been in these matches, but instead it's Vince here. What's up with that? Like, you know, there's lots of handicap matches and even at one night stand, Shane and Umaga are going to try to help Vince retain the ECW title against Lashley, but fail, you know, once upon a time, it feels like, well, this is a Shane spot. But now here it's Vince. Did Vince just have a wild hair? Did he really like being do rag Vince? Do rag Vince was cool. Do rag, do rag Vince is cool. Do rag Vince with the ECW world championship. That, there you go. It feels that's, like it's right out of a cartoon. I like it. That's cash. It actually, you know, it really does. Yeah. You know, and you could probably, you would get the strut with the way they would like draw the little lines on the yeah. cartoon too. Yep. Here's a pro tip for 2021. You need secure and private access to the internet. A VPN service provides you a secure encrypted tunnel for online traffic to flow. Nobody can see through the tunnel and get their hands on your internet data. NordVPN is the best VPN if you're looking for peace of mind when you use public Wi-Fi, access your personal or work accounts on the road, or you want to keep your browsing history to yourself. Protect all your devices. Do you use Windows at work, Mac OS at home, or maybe Linux for your special projects? No problem. There's a NordVPN application for each of these, plus apps for iOS, Android, and Android TV. Oh, and also encrypted proxy extensions for Chrome and Firefox. Perhaps best of all, with one NordVPN account, you can secure up to six devices at the same time. And we should mention, you're going to be enjoying a fast and stable connection anywhere. Buffering is really the ultimate buzzkill, so streaming or downloading files with a slow internet connection is just not an option. No worries, you just need a VPN service 
that offers a fast connection with no limits on bandwidth. You need NordVPN. Choose from over 5,500 NordVPN servers in 59 countries and enjoy the fastest VPN experience. Having more servers means less load, and the wide variety of locations means there's a higher chance you'll find one nearby. Let's recap. We're talking 5,200 plus super fast servers across 59 countries. You'll be able to unlock Netflix and your favorite entertainment websites. They even get you a 30 day money back guarantee. It's going to protect your data while traveling or you're in public. I'm talking everywhere from airports to coffee shops. And don't forget, you've also got a cyber sex suite, which almost acts as an ad blocker. There's a faster connection with Nord links. And of course there's no data logging. It's a big deal. There's also 24 seven customer support, live chat, emails, whatever you need. And one more time, you get to do this with up to six simultaneous connections. So all your devices are covered six, double your data encryption for increased anonymity, which, uh, considering what all we've seen in the wrestling space in the last few years, probably not a bad thing. We also should remind you, this is compatible with just about every operating system. If you're using windows like me, maybe you're hardcore and you like Linux, or perhaps you've got one of those iOS or Android devices. You're all covered here with NordVPN. This unlimited bandwidth has an automatic kill switch and NordVPN has an extension for the Chrome browser, which is lightweight and user-friendly from the very first click. We're talking secured browsing in seconds. Hey, and listen up. We've got a special Christmas deal for our listeners. Every purchase of a two-year NordVPN plan will get you four additional months free. Go to nordvpn.com forward slash wrestle and use the coupon wrestle at checkout. That's nordvpn, N-O-R-D-V-P-N.com slash wrestle. And be sure to use that code wrestle for four free months with the purchase of a two-year plan. That's nordvpn.com slash wrestle. And the code is wrestle nordvpn.com forward slash wrestle and the code is wrestle. Okay. So let's talk about the illegitimate child angle because, uh, Shane's in the- <laughs> y'all did so much shit to Shane. Uh, it's a taped episode of raw that airs on September 3rd, Shane, along with his mother, Linda and his sister, Stephanie make appearances to confront Vince about this illegitimate child, which turns out to be a leprechaun. God, I love pro wrestling. And then Shane returns at survivor series to accompany Hornswoggle, his brother, <laughs> his father <laughs> against uh, the great Kali. Boy, this is all real. It's not, this is not make believe this really happened. Shane's brother is a little person leprechaun. They're going to take a great Kali. You guys are doing a lot of fucking drugs, by the way, shout out to Dylan. Glad he was there and got the payday and had fun, but holy shit. This is some creative. What's wrong with it? It's a little feller. You talked earlier about, um, the interaction that, uh, Shane had with Tyson. Well, in 2008, you're going to start doing a little business with Floyd Mayweather. And Floyd Mayweather legitimately breaks the nose of Big Show. <laughs> Does Shane have to be uh, 
go between intermediary with big show and, and Mayweather is he sort of hands-on like he was with Tyson or what's that look like? No, not, no, not really at all. I don't, I don't remember Shane being involved much at all with, with, uh, with Floyd, the way that he was with Mike. But, uh, the only thing that really needed to happen there was Mayweather ran right up to the grill position where Vince was. So that by the time show had gotten there, he had, first of all, blown up because it was a long way to run. But second of all, Vince was up there. <laughs> so they, and I think by that time, show realized just how great that it was that shot. Like, look at this. Watch your nose. <laughs> Poor show. That was some great shit though. Vince McMahon sustained uh, some pretty serious storyline injuries on the June 23rd episode of raw. When a sign fell on top of him while he's hosting the million dollar mania sweepstakes, uh, it's, it's here where he says, Paul, I can't feel my legs. Uh, and after Shane appears and requests for the uh, raw roster to stand together during a turbulent time. And of course they ignore him and, uh, Shane and Stephanie urge the roster to show solidarity. A month later, he makes an appearance to announce that Mike Adamley has uh, have been his sister's choice to be the new raw general manager. And after he steps down as GM, Stephanie becomes the interim on-screen authority figure for raw. And, uh, fast forward in November, Shane and Stephanie argue over who's in charge leading for Stephanie to tell him that raw is her show. And it's around this same time that you're adios and out of there in real life though, Shane was one of the first people to give you a call once you parted ways with WWE, right? Yeah, he was. And, and Shane and I have always remained friendly and he did. And um, always thought a lot of that. And, and you actually, um, you and I were actually hanging out when he came back, uh, February 22nd, 2016. Yeah. We're at Roos Chris eating dinner yeah. and we asked them, Hey, can you turn one of those TVs in the bar, uh, onto, uh, WWE and how he struts and he's had quite a run when he came back, but once upon a time when he sort of took a leave of absence from the company. That was that what, like a year after you God, I don't even remember. It was a year or two. I don't know. Were you surprised when he took a bit of a break? Yes and no. I think, you know, it's, as I said, at the very beginning, Shane always just wanted to be his own man right. and not having a clue. Um, other than he wanted to go on and do other things and do his China broadband stuff, then, um, was what it was. I, um, I wanted to know if you could maybe tell us some, some behind the scenes, fun stories about Shane. I know that, uh, we used to do live shows back before COVID and you becoming the second most powerful man in all of wrestling. Uh, you, you had a, a fantastic story about Shane in an airport. Oh God. The survivor series in Chicago. This is back when we were doing survivor series. It was either, um, the Wednesday night. It may have been like the Thanksgiving Eve tradition or what have you, or it was on Thanksgiving, but we had done, it was in Chicago because I remember the hotel so well. It was uh, November 23rd, 1989. Okay. And we, uh, 
had all stayed there and, and everybody had gone out and had a good time the night before. But there was one flight that got us home at a decent hour the next day, and we were all on it. And it flew directly into White Plains out of uh, Chicago O'Hare Airport. Everyone came downstairs, and we're all in the van getting ready to, to head over to the airport, everyone except for Shane. And Vince is like, we're not leaving without him. I'm calling his room, sending people up to his room. Can't find Shane. He's not answering his door. He's not answering his phone. It's before cell phones, folks. And can't find him. Finally, we got someone to go up and, and get the hotel to open Shane's door. And Shane's passed out in his room. Big smile on his face. Get him up. Here comes Shane. Shane comes down. Now, the the bus driver's going nuts because he's already missed like two pickups by this time. And Vince won't let him leave. Shane gets on the uh, bus with a big shit-eating grin on his face. And, hey, everybody, hey, good morning. And Vince is like, sit down. So help me God, Shane, if we miss this flight. And uh, oh, we got plenty of time. We didn't have plenty of time. Now, airports were a little bit different then. You didn't have to go through all the security and all this other stuff. However, this gate was about the furthest gate that you could get away from the front door. And we get off the plane and Shane asked, I think he asked me if I could carry one of his bags. And he and Vince was like, you need to run and get to the gate and make sure this flight does not leave without us on it. So Shane like, hey, can you get my bag? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. You're carrying all the bags. So Shane is running with his fucking arms pumping like O.J. Simpson running through an airport with his bags going sprinting through the airport. Well, we start to walk fast. And Vince is like, nope, going to take our time. And so Shane gets down there. We come down and we see Shane walking back towards us from the gate. Big smile on his face and, you know, just a shit eating grin. And uh, he goes, I got it. I held the plane. Everything's fine. And then we get up there and we realize that the plane had been delayed. And thank God he thought that he was safe and probably got his ass chewing when he got home that night. He saved it. Didn't want to get it then. But, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, I think the best was we would work out by the pool and you know everybody heard the pool stories about different people getting thrown in the pool what have you well that was always you know somebody from the office coming in well vince had, had gone in because um the dog I don't, I don't know if it was tiger i don't remember which dog it was but vince had gone inside to get the dog water because his water dish was empty. Bosley, I think it was Bosley. And um, Vince is inside, you know, he's getting the dog, fresh water and all that shit. And Shane's, Shane comes out and goes, where's my dad? It's like he's, he just went in to get Bosley some water. And Shane hides in the bushes, like literally in the bushes. So is Vince is coming out fully dressed comes right by the deep end of the pool. Shane jumps out of the bushes 
and shoves Vince right into the pool. Vince, and it was like in slow motion, Vince throws the bowl of water back over his head like, that's going to do something, <laughs> you know, and get changed. And goes goes in the water and basically goes to the other side of the pool. And he had, you know, uh, like a place where he could get out of the pool. And I swear to God, man, he swelled up. You know, like those little um, foam things you put in water and how they like swell up and yeah. get big and shit. Yeah. Well, that's what happened, man. We got the motherfucker wet. He swelled all up. And Shane, his eyes got huge. As Vince is like going through his pockets and had, you know, like shit in his pockets and everything. And Shane takes off running. Vince takes off running, chasing Shane. And it was the funniest goddamn thing. Finally, uh, I don't know, Shane just gave up or Vince finally caught him or whatever, but Shane came out and had the money clip and was drying out all of his money <laughs> out on the table, flattening it all out and uh, bringing Vince fresh clothes. That was, that's my favorite one because that was that was one where Shane Shane got the old man. It was, it was hilarious. Well, he got him another time too when uh, he came home with some new jewelry. Oh God. Yeah. He always wanted a Shane always wanted an earring and would ask every day, like, can he get an earring? Can he get an earring? All, all my friends are getting earrings and Vince, you know, was like, no, no, no. Stop asking me. And then one day Shane comes home and he's got an earring. He's trying to get Vince's attention. And what do you think? What do you think? Keeps walking by and waiting for Vince to notice and Vince finally noticed, like, what the hell is that in your ear? It's an earring. Yeah, we got him today. So Vince reaches up, grabs the earring like he's going to rip it out of his ear, but it's a clip-on, which infuriates Vince all the more to where, yeah, he kind of offered to pierce his ear right there for him, and Linda pleaded for him not to. So yeah, Shane, Shane could push the button sometimes and it would be an awful lot of fun, but, uh, he would, he would just do little shit, just little things like he would drive, he would drive us and it'd be Shane driving and, and Vince in the front seat, me and Pat in the back and Shane would do 300 miles an hour down the highway, which, you know, going in and out, which would be the same way that any of the other three of us would drive. But because it was Shane, it's like, goddamn, slow down. And it got to be so much that Shane became Mr. Safety. And he would not <laughs> he would not drive over 55 miles an hour. He would stay in the right lane. He would put his blinker on for like five minutes before he would get over and stuff. Ten uh, go ten two double nickel. And, uh, look, nope, nope. I'm going to be Mr. Safety from now on. I can't allow any of you guys to drive because you guys, uh, exceed the speed limit. I will be having all of our safety and, and I will be in charge of safety. You can just call me Mr. Safety. So we, we had a lot of fun. It was, uh, Shane always had to eat just, uh, God, he ate like a horse, but, uh, we had a lot of fun through the years. <laughs> it, it just, it would be uh, it would be an awful lot of fun through the years. What can you tell us about Shane the dad? 
you know, I I haven't been around uh, Shane the Dad that much, uh, other than, you know, a little bit. Um, man, he's got all boys, and and they just seem to be chips off the old block. Uh, I know he just adores his kids and stuff, but I, I haven't. I haven't been around him that much as a dad. I, I can tell you that uh, his wife, Marissa, is an incredible. And I mean, like, I think she's like a gourmet cook. But I always like going to, to Shane's place for meetings and stuff if Marissa was going to cook us something. Yeah, I like the sound of that. Yeah, that was – that. yeah. And, she, and, and no matter what, she would always, always – like just barely have enough. And, but I mean, you're talking about, she would basically look at how many people and then she would quadruple it. I'm not exaggerating here. And still somehow we would find a way to eat everything. And she just like, what else you guys need? Lots of uh rumor and innuendo out there. You know, lots of people online think they know the family dynamic and, and, and know what really is going on. And it's been speculated over the years that Shane may have been a little disappointed that it didn't feel like he was going to be the heir apparent, but you sort of paint a different picture that, you know, Shane really wanted to do his own thing and be his own man and make his own way. And is Shane still having fun in the wrestling business? Do you think? Yeah, I do think so. I think that Shane's having fun with his family and doing his own thing and he gets to come back and do whatever he wants. Um, I think Shane's having a blast. I think Shane's having a blast in life. And that's, that's kind of the way that he looks at it. Um, the other big piece that, that wrestling fans online have fun with and poke holes in it, shit on it, shut it down, whatever you want to do. But Hey, why was there never a big triple H, uh, Shane feud? They think that maybe there's animosity behind the scenes in real life and these guys don't get along. And that's the reason there hasn't been like a big Shane versus Hunter WrestleMania match. You're there. You know what's real, what's not. Never seen it. And, you know, it's Eric Bischoff, his first night in. Uh, and you should ask Eric the, the, this question because I, it always sticks with me and I've always kind of pointed to it because it was a, it was a very cool observation. Was you had... Uh, Vince, Steph, Hunter, and uh, Vince, Steph, Hunter, and Shane, and the just the genuine like love and and just his first night in, he saw it and he was like, "Wow!" He says, "You know, no matter what anybody says about anybody else." He says, when you have that kind of love of your family, and I'm sure that as a family, they have their ups and downs just like, like everybody. everybody else does. My fucking wife answered the damn, uh, I told her, yeah. don't answer Skype yeah. ever. Of course. Especially you know, if it's me, right? Especially, I, I mean, <laughs> only when it's you. Right, right. Um, yeah. and But no, I mean, everybody has their ups and downs. But if you have the love of your family and your family, you're cool with everything, then you can't be that bad of a person and right. you can't, you know, things are all right. And it was just such a, I remember him sitting there staring at it and, and him saying to me, he goes, you know, 
all the things I've heard about Vince McMahon. He goes, I don't know the man. I just met him for the first time live on stage here. He goes, watching that tells me a lot about what I need to know about him. Yeah. And it was just seeing him interact with his kids. Yeah. He's told me the same thing off air. Well, I don't think we've talked about it on air, but we did talk about that. Um, listen, this is a weird question to ask, but I don't know how to ask it. What's Shane's role now? I don't know what his title is. Is he just an on-screen character? Or, I don't know. Okay. I guess. I really don't know. What do you think his legacy will be? I think that his legacy is Shane McMahon. I think that his legacy is, is that, you know, he came out and I think people will remember him for his in-ring and on-screen character. And his legacy is being his own man in my, in, in my eyes. We got a couple quick questions. Then we'll wrap this one up. Appreciate you taking the time today. Shout out to Stephanie for answering the phone when she didn't need to, uh, J- John Moran wants to know who would Shane's dream opponent be? I know you don't really know that, but I mean, do you have one for him? Like not necessarily Shane's dream, but who would have been a good opponent for him? Savage. Oh, wow. I like that one. Um, here's another, will Shane be the first McMahon inducted into the hall of fame as a talent? I think Shane should be inducted in the hall of fame for all of his, his entire body of work. Well, but the idea is he's probably going to be, I mean, he's going in the hall of fame. I hope so. Uh, Luke from Eastern Iowa wants to know why didn't Shane win at least one match against Kane in their series of matches in Oh three. It's not like Vince to book a McMahon looking weak. And Shane was pummeled for a good 90% of that storyline. It's called telling stories there, Luke. By the way, Luke sent you a painting to the office. Did you get it? Okay. Wait a minute. That's Luke that sent me the painting. Yes. Thank you, Luke. There you go. Yeah. I was getting ready to jump all over your shit, Luke. I could tell. Thank so I wanted you. The, to... the paint, the painting is up in my office. Uh, I got one too. And I don't know. I mean, they're, I'm sure they're custom, but I want, I'll send you a picture of mine. If you send me a picture of yours, we're talking about Luke's paintings, by the way, we're not talking about anything else. Oh, Okay. Uh, Dan, me, I had the phone ready. It was <laughs> the melt. Yeah. And, and, and Mr. Call uh, just sent me another, uh, beautiful box of Sobe blood, orange mango water, which, um, Oh, so now you're explaining why you're doing the show because you're getting low on Sobe water because I want Sobe water. Yeah. And you want to remind everybody that there is an office on main street in Stanford that you could yeah. send mail to if it's Sobe water. Yeah, only if it's Sobe Water. <laughs> or a nice painting. A nice painting. Yeah. It's real nice. It's like the Hollywood sign, but it's something Russell would produce. Oh, mine's cool. mine's different. I'll send you mine tomorrow. You'll like it. Shout right. out shout out to uh, Luke from Eastern Iowa. Not Western Iowa. That Luke sucks. Eastern Iowa. That's right. Dan wants to know the Nebraska side. How often did Shane change Vince's mind about an angle, a storyline, a potential signing of a wrestler or personality? At what point did Vince start to consider Shane's opinions? Do you remember Shane being an advocate for someone or somebody or some idea? I mean, not anybody in particular, but I, yeah, Shane always had a voice. I think Shane had a voice from the time he was a little kid. Uh, Ben wants to know, do you think had the storyline been right? Shane could have oh, been now a- Ben answers me and, 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 and is actually asking me a question. No, not, a, not, thing. not our Ben who okay. will, who okay. will ship you stuff, but a day late. Uh, <laughs> Shane wants to know, uh, or, or Ben wants to know, would Shane have been a credible WWE champion at any point in his career? 
I don't see why not. I mean, you know, I know that sounds crazy, but when he's doing all the crazy stunts, I mean, let's also remember we made Vince the ECW champ. So there could have been a storyline. Maybe. I mean, you want to go down that list of champions? No, no, let's move on. You probably need to move on. Not even me. Uh, pineapple (laughs) Jack says we've heard Bruce tell us that Michael Hayes was always trying to find something for Jeff Hardy to jump out of. Uh, or jump off of rather, did Michael ever try to give Shane ideas of things to jump off of? And what would that sound like? Well, fuck. Of course I did. No, I don't want nothing to happen to my Shane. I want to protect him. No, Shane, don't jump off of that. Jump off of that. <laughs> no. Yeah. Michael, Michael loves suggesting uh, high things to jump off of, you know, because it's reminiscent of his career in the ring. The high flyer, Michael B.S. Haynes. Michael B.S. Haynes. Yeah, and his partner, Terry Boom Boom Gordon. Uh, Carlos and, wants to know, were there any wrestlers deeply resentful of Shane ten- Shane's tendency to steal the show, be a headliner in major pay-per-views, or dominate highlight reels when he was essentially a part-time in-ring performer? I have no idea. You never heard any pushback from any of the boys? No. You know the thing they t- are, they go out and steal the fucking show yourself. Um, John wants to know why did Shane come back after leaving WWE to pursue his own business Did his business pursuits fail, or was there an issue with WWE to push him to come back or some other reason? I know I you weren't no idea. Yeah. You probably missed it. Right. I mean, even when you said, I'm never going back, fuck them. You, you get back and you're like, ah, I kind of missed this. This was fun. Well, that's how I feel. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody like, that's the reason everybody goes away and comes back. That's the reason nobody really stays retired. They have fun doing this, right? Yes. Um, well, uh, Ken wants to know, have you ever witnessed any of the edge Shane mock mock battles and did they ever try to get you? I have no idea what you're talking about. No big deal. Last one Celtic dreamer wants to know Shane is known for his daredevil stunts. Has there ever been one that was so outrageous? Even he said, no. Or perhaps someone had to tell him no. Was there a crazy idea that y'all shut down? Well, I'm sure there is. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I know there there have been some, but Shane always finds a way to do, regardless of, he'll, he'll find a way to do something spectacular so that he can leave people talking at the end of the night. There you go. The, uh, the rumor in innuendo was, he wanted to jump off the top of, uh, the scoreboard, the, the, the big jumbotron for the Dallas Cowboys. Instead, of course, he jumped off the cell big spot there, but allegedly, Hey, what if I jumped off that? I know you weren't there at the time, but that can't be real. Right? Jesus Christ. Yeah. I would chalk that one up to urban legend. A little rumor and innuendo. Well, listen, or this lies was, or lies. This was fun, Bruce. We, uh, of course, today is certainly the day. uh, It's not Sunday, the 24th at 6 p.m. It's definitely not. It's actually January 15th, and we just celebrated Shane's birthday. Uh, But next week on the 22nd, we're going to be back. (laughs) Royal Rumble 1996. Of course, there's an incredible Royal Rumble there. Uh, We've also got uh, The Undertaker working with Bret Hart for the world title. Goldust in there with Razor Ramon for the Intercontinental Championship. The Smoking Guns in there with the Body Donnas for the Tag Straps. And Ahmed Johnson working a singles match with Jeff jo- Jeff Jarrett. I almost called him Jeff Johnson. That'd be a different show. 
Uh, that happened on January 21st, 1996. So we're going to cover it next week, right here on the 22nd. Uh, and just tell everybody in a loud and clear voice when you think we might be able to record that Bruce coming up. (laughs) Just go ahead and clarify for everyone is the show ending. Are we canceled? Are we done? We are not canceled. The show is not ending. Um, there are some incredibly exciting things that are happening in, in my world, our world, everybody's world. And, um, the show is not ending and I I thank you all for your patience. (laughs) I am sorry. It took us this long to get to this one. We're going to be better and hopefully not this weekend because I've got a little pay-per-view thing to do, but the next weekend we could probably put some in the bank Okay, so that we don't have to worry about, about finding a few hours, but it's, it's my, uh, even my kids ask if they can, um, come in and wake me up just to see me to say hello. So I greatly appreciate the, the absolute greatest fans in the world and listeners in the world. And that's you guys. And if you're still listening to my voice, I do love you. And I appreciate you so much. And I appreciate your patience. And no the show's not going anywhere. We're good. And by the way, unless Conrad's board breaks again, the, uh, there is a big pay-per-view coming up this coming weekend, Royal rumble. And, uh, You've had some incredible circumstances. Some of those details and facts I'm sure will come out sooner rather than later. And a lot of this will make a little more sense. Fair to say. Fair to say. Can't say anything yet, but let me just say, we're not going anywhere. We're proud to be here. We're going to continue to crank these out. Uh, but I didn't want to make a false promise with this week's episode since we we failed to deliver last week's, but uh, here you are. And uh, as soon as he can steal a couple hours this week, we're going to talk about Royal rumble, 1996. And our hope is that we're going to be able to crank out Royal rumble, 1991, get you Jones and get you fired up for Royal rumble. And by the way, Bruce, no pressure, but no matter what is going on and whatever fans may think of creative one way or another, everybody always loves the rumble. So let's look forward to that. Right. I look forward to it. I do too. I'm fired up. All right. Well then rock on. Until next time, he is at Bruce Pritchard. I am at Hey Hey, it's Conrad, and we are out of time. I'm not going to tell you when we'll be back because I don't fucking know, but we will be back soon with Royal Rumble 1996 and then 91, and they're going to be great fun right here on Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Love you. Rock on. Hey, before we get out of here, I want to remind you that at SaveWithConrad.com, we don't just help people refinance, we can help you buy your dream home. But don't take my word for it. Check out Mickey. That's right. Mickey James from WWE. She and her husband, the NWA world champion, Nick Aldis went to save with Conrad.com. We hooked them up and they left us this five-star review. Conrad and his entire team were amazing. We found the perfect house and they worked so hard to make it a reality. So grateful. I would suggest them to anyone looking to buy a home, refinance or upgrade their existing home. If you want someone who will work hard for you, this is your team. Thanks guys. Mickey. No, thank you, Mickey. We appreciate you and Mr. Aldous putting your faith and confidence in us. And we're going to treat you guys listening at home right now, the exact same way we're hooking up all the stars and you can be our next success story. I want to remind you with the interest rates lower than ever, that means your buying power is at an all time high. 
What's that mean in layman's terms? You can get a bigger, nicer, better house with a cheaper monthly payment than ever before. Find out how easy it is to get started right now at SaveWithConrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And by the way, if you don't qualify right now, we're going to get you a battle plan to show you how to qualify later this year. But you need to start right now at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And did I mention we're licensed in more than 40 states? Step one to getting into your dream home, SaveWithConrad.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.